Last week we had that wonderful and powerful verse that we spent some time on from Mark chapter 6 where it says he had compassion upon them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I want you to know that these words are one of those important reminders of the very nature of our God. You see, there are certain themes or certain characteristics about the Lord Jesus Christ that as you read through the Gospels and the Scriptures come through over and over again. He is a God of compassion that we have. We've just spent you know, some time uh, hearing God's Word, understanding our sin, confessing that sin, and if we take time to slow down enough, we understand that we are due His judgment. His punishment. But he's a God of compassion. And even though he is a, a just God, he is also a compassionate, a merciful, and a loving God. So again, we have uh, Mark chapter 6 before us this day. And it seems that this theme of compassion here is continuing. But these are, are words that are more than a recording of an event in history. They are more than the sharing of the relationship Jesus had with his disciples 2,000 years ago. These are timeless words. They are timeless in that as we live in this sin-infected world, we continue to face realities and circumstances that often lead us to need God's compassion in our lives. Well, in today's Gospel reading, we pick up after Jesus and his disciples had fed the 5,000. And again, Jesus demonstrates his concern and his compassion for the 12. He tells them immediately to get into a boat. There's a couple of things going on here. I think part of this is, again, where they had left off. They had come back from performing the miracles and preaching and seeing what God was doing in and through them and His Word. But they needed to rest. They needed to be restored. And, and so He's sending them away for that time of rest. But the Gospel of John also records these events, and he adds to that, that after the feeding of the 5,000, that the people were about to take Jesus by force. And so I would suggest that also here, Jesus is also protecting out of compassion his disciples, that they not find themselves in the midst of such a situation, but that they would go to the other side of the lake, that their work could continue of professing and proclaiming this wonderful message that the God of compassion has come. So Jesus sends the disciples into the boat, and Jesus himself then steps away from the people, and he goes to pray. And it would be very easy for you and I to read right past that, it seems to happen regularly in his ministry. 
But I would like to note it for you today that Jesus is also modeling for us that even the Son of Man needs that time in the presence of the Father, needs that time of there being refreshed and renewed. And if He does, what a wonderful practice for us to take on in our lives to have those regular times and places where we go aside and we spend alone in His presence. Well, later in the night after Jesus has been praying, he sees the disciples in the middle of the lake and the text says, straining at the oars. I've read this text many times in my life, but I have to admit that I don't think I've ever been struck by those words before, how they were straining at the oars. It seems to me the focus so often has been, you know, on the, the wind and the waves. But Jesus observes what they're doing and what they're dealing with as a strain. What I see here is a Lord who watches, a Lord who cares, and a Lord who responds to what's going on in the lives of his people. Well, Jesus, in response then, he heads out to them on the water, walking. It sounds as though, as you read the text, though, that he's going to pass by. That's the translation we have there. But when they cry out, he stops, he responds, and he has compassion, for they were terrified. He stops, and he has compassion. He says, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Sometimes we lose things in our English translation, but I think a better translation here would be, take courage, I am. Do not be afraid. Jesus has actually said to the disciples at this moment is literally the name of God. It is the name that God told Moses when the people ask, who has sent you? Say, I am. Jesus here coming to them as the one walking on the water. Jesus, the one who's just fed the 5,000. Jesus coming to them in their situation is revealing to say, I am. God is here. He comes to them. Do not be afraid. Then, the text says, then he climbed into the boat with them. I think I fell in love with those words this week. Think about it. Think about your life and think about the times and the trials you've been in or maybe are in. And here's the Lord climbing into the boat of your circumstances with you. You and I, we don't have this far-off God who, who just says, wow, I'm so sorry you're going through that. You know, he's not so far removed that, you know, from a distance he says, you know, I'll, I'll go to the Father for you. 
But no, He comes. He is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. He is God with them. He is God with us. Then He got into the boat with them. Let me emphasize a few things that seem to be happening here. Jesus sees the disciples struggling and He responds. He responds not only in going to them by walking on the water, but in speaking words of assurance, comfort, even commanding them, do not be afraid. He didn't say you don't need to be afraid. That seems to be our you know, human way of telling somebody, oh, it's okay, you don't need to cry, you don't need to be afraid, but no. He comes alongside of them and He commands them, do not be afraid. Because He has the power to overcome that which they are dealing with. And then, did you catch this? I said it, but I want to emphasize it further. He climbed into the boat. Jesus was about to pass them by. You know, and I don't know, and I've I read a few commentaries or some different thoughts in this. Some are that, you know, it was part of him strengthening them for what lay ahead. That there would be trials, there would be storms. They would be persecuted, not only during their ministry together, but after the Lord's death, resurrection, and ascension. When he sees the reality of their need, he comes to them. He joined them in the situation they were in. He has compassion. But let's dig a little deeper. The text says that when they saw him, they thought he was a ghost. Popular Jewish superstition held that the appearance of spirits at night brought disaster. So their fear, although think about that, why are they afraid? Aren't many of these guys, if not maybe most of them, fishermen? Haven't they been on the water before in a storm, in the wind? Notice this is a, a separate account from when Jesus was sleeping in the boat saying that we're going to drown. This is just the wind. It's just buffeting them. And, and here they are rowing and they're straining, but... Here they are afraid. Well, their fear was probably prompted by what they may have thought was a spirit that could bring upon them disaster. Yes. He immediately spoke to them. He climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. Now notice what the disciples did. The text says, they were amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Wait a minute. Jesus had sent them off to go and to preach and to heal, and they had. And people had believed, and people had been healed. They had seen that they had received by their relationship with him and the command he had given them this power to accomplish this. 
They then come back, and there they see him take two fish and five loaves and feed 5,000 people and then have 12 baskets of leftovers. One for each tribe. One for each apostle. And now, it says they were amazed, and I don't get the sense that this is like, wow, this is incredible, Lord! But like, this is scary. I don't get what's going on here, kind of an amazement. And then it says their hearts were hardened. If they had understood about the 5,000, they would not have been amazed at Jesus walking to them on the water. They would not have been amazed at Him calming the waves. Their hearts were hardened. I wonder how often that's our situation or response as well. We just don't get it. It just doesn't make sense to us, or we just don't understand it. You've been there, right? Come on, Lord, if, if you're here with me, if you are God incarnate, Emmanuel, if you're a God of compassion, why am I going through this? So what that you're with me? I'm still in this. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand. And what happens is, is we are looking for our expectations, our, even our prayer as we have defined it to be answered, rather than allowing God to be God and Him to respond to where we are. Here's what I pray that we receive today through these words. Life is filled with struggles and trials, and storms, and things that cause us to strain. Yet our God is the Lord of all. He is the Lord of creation. He's the Lord of our lives, and He has compassion. He came to take away our fear, death, and eternal separation because of our sin. And as He has compassion upon us, He is here watching and ready to speak words of comfort, peace, and restoration to us. You pray and you pray and you have a certain thing that you're praying for, but it's not happening. And you wondered why you were going through it, why it seemed God wasn't answering. But now one year later, or five, or ten, or whatever it may be, and you look back and you're like, oh, you were there. You did comfort me. You did sustain me. You did strengthen me. 
You didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted. But you were that faithful God of compassion. We continue to battle with our sinful human hearts, don't we? And as a result, at times our hearts are hardened to understanding really what God is doing and how He is working and even who He is. You might be caught in a storm. You might be afraid. You might seemingly be stuck and not getting to your destination. But here is the truth. The Lord is watching the Lord sees, the Lord is coming to you, and the Lord has joined you. And the Scriptures are filled with umpteen passages that remind us of the faithfulness and the presence of our God. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He shines light into the darkness of my situation. He is the source of my salvation. He saves me. He redeems me. Whom shall I fear? It's already all taken care of. Psalm 46, the Lord is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. A refuge where we flee from that which attacks, where we find strength in the midst of the circumstances where we are. And He is that ever present he is there in the boat with you deuteronomy 31 the lord himself goes before you and he will be with you he will never leave you nor forsake you you're not alone you're not alone and when I say that, based upon what we are reading and receiving in the gospel this day, that is more than talking about God's abiding presence. The church, the body of Christ, this is one of the blessings He has given us, and that is that He's given us each other. It's why we are encouraged to and need to continue to regularly gather together in worship. It's why we encourage you to be in some place of community together in a smaller group, whether it's an area of service, whether it's in one of our small groups or life groups. But it is a setting in which you get to know that your brothers and sisters in Christ are there as the very presence of God, for His Spirit is in them. They receive Him in His body and blood. And there we are to be interceding on behalf of each other. A reading this day actually from Ephesians calls us to consider this. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I love those words. Freedom, confidence. That we can know that He hears our prayers, He cares, and He has power to respond. 
Keep on reading. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is what we get to do for each other. And it's more than a prayer on Sunday where we name some of those who are listed in our prayers or, you know, um, the prayers that we send out by email. It's what you get to do face-to-face, one-on-one with someone that you have a relationship with. And maybe it's only a small one. It's what you get to do in the privacy of your own home and your time of devotion and prayer. It's why we have had the prayer warriors after the service that are down here to offer prayers for you in celebration or in need. You're not alone. It's a reminder of John's words in his first letter, chapter 4, when he says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. One of the most profound ways that we can love one another is coming alongside of one another. Sometimes it's just the ministry of presence. You don't know what to say, but you're there. And that counts. And that brings comfort. And that brings hope. Dear friends in Christ, our Lord, He sees us straining, but in His power as the Lord of all, He cast away our fear. Amen. Now may the peace.